Welcome to The Waiter's Tip. I am Honest Charm. And I am Isidra, and we will be taking great care of you. Will you be joining us in the bar this evening, or maybe the main dining room, or maybe even the patio, depending on, you know, what your curfews and capacities are wherever you live during Corona, honey? party of two at the bar for myself and honest charm oh <laughs> yes i'm venturing out to it. dc i miss my friend come my see friend. me <laughs> <laughs> and we are drinking champagne we are celebrating Ooh. we're celebrating um it's been a really great uh start to the new year mm -hmm. uh lots to share lots to Ooh. talk about uh in person lots of things i've put out into the universe that seem to be manifesting and you have been busy honey. i have i have <laughs> and it is time to share and do what we do <laughs> I can't wait to experience. I'll order the oysters. We'll start with a dozen, ah, something crisp, yes. you know, a good mignonette, you yes. know, let's keep it cute. Yeah, let's, it's going to be let's fun. How about you? Uh, for me this evening, I'll be in a corner booth in the bar while live jazz is playing on the stage with Sam Cooke. I watched uh, One Night in Miami on Amazon Prime and it was pretty good. And I didn't realize how much I did not know about him other than his amazing voice. I see him being a brown liquor guy. I see him yeah. being somebody who would not want a Manhattan, but maybe a Boulevardier. Oh, you know, something with nice. some orange zest with the bourbon, you know, yes. something, something good. I could see that. So that's a little... That's my little party for tonight. I like that little jazz in the background. And I have heard that is a phenomenal movie. Uh, I do need yes. to watch that soon. I'm going to definitely have to go back and watch it again. It was one of those things to where I didn't realize, and Lord forgive me, I hope they don't take my black card, but I think the guy's name is Jim Brown, who's an NFL player that was in there. But I knew all yes. the other characters. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, I knew Sam Cooke, and I knew uh, Malcolm X. And the way they did that one night and how I applied to all of them. Like it was, it was really good. I want to go back and watch it again. Cause it's got some gems. It's got some gems in there, man. It's got some gems I'm sure. for sure. It's good. Sure. I like it. All right, great. Awesome. Well, shall we uh, move into the recap of we our shall. last episode? Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, on our last episode titled tipping the scales of addiction and mental health, we discussed how drugs and alcohol have played a long time role in the restaurant industry. In February of 2020, AmericanAddictionCenters.org reported the following statistics. 11.8% of food service workers reported binge drinking during the last month. 19.1% of food service workers reported using illicit drugs during the last month and 17% of food service workers have been diagnosed with a substance abuse disorder. Um, astounding statistics. Um, and for those of you uh, maybe that did not join us uh, with our last episode, um, they found and also reported that uh, addiction in the restaurant industry um, has a rate or is probably amongst the top three industries uh, in the United States. Uh, so with those numbers and being fairly recent, and again, considering we're in the midst of a pandemic and people suffering from losing jobs and uh, just the state of the world right now, um, pretty feel pretty certain those numbers have increased since then. Um, anything that you'd like to share as it relates to that topic? Yeah, I mean, for me, just like I said last week, um, it's it's one of those things to where it's sad that to me being in the industry for 20 years now, um, those numbers aren't surprising to me because I've seen 
I've seen it firsthand, you know, young people get into it and can't get out, uh, older people that's been in it for too long that can't get out and just how it really does affect not only your own existence, but those around you. But, you know, one of the aha moments for me from last week was it made me kind of turn the, I guess the camera, if you would, on myself, you know what I'm saying? To mm -hmm. pay attention to how much am I drinking? You know, how often am I drinking and all that type of stuff. And even better, you know, what am I drinking? Just to make sure right. that, even if you do decide to drink and you're not dealing with addiction um, and you're just drinking casually, um, there's a way you can do it to where you don't go straight for the liquor and get wasted quick. You know, you can have a low calorie beer. You can have one glass of wine instead of the whole bottle. Like there's different ways to do it. And I was able to kind of look at myself a little bit more and make some necessary adjustments to such a serious subject that will likely forever be part of the industry, but mm -hmm. it'll be nice to see a change regarding how it's um, dealt with in the future. I agree. I agree. And I have to say, I've been doing the same. Um, I have definitely been more focused on why uh, and when I'm making certain choices as it comes to overindulging um, in alcohol and just being more aware of sometimes when I do have those moments when I'm really, really stressed. Um, and it's easier to pour the glass of wine or make mm -hmm. the drink than it is to, as you mentioned in your side work on our last episode, be still, maybe mm -hmm. be quiet and meditate or look for an alternative, go for a walk. Um, so again, just really, really being mindful of why that's maybe my first go-to, if you will, right. when, I'm, when I'm stressed out or I've had a mm -hmm. really, really long day or a long, hard day. Um, so just trying to be, uh, increase my awareness about that. Well, yeah, well, shall we transition into our industry topic for this episode? Yes, let's transition into this week's industry topic, um, which is titled, The Position of a Leader at Work and in Life. Do you even enjoy going out to eat anymore? Uh, I think with this one, we were trying to touch on what's it like being a leader? How do you get there? And what does it mean when you're you know, trying to lead at work and in life and our experience being leaders at work? And maybe what it's like when we go out in public and see other leaders and how they're doing it. Did I break Absolutely. it down? Like you did break it down. Okay. Um, and that's such a great question. Uh, do you even enjoy going out to eat anymore do you? Uh, as a leader in this industry? And I have to say this, um, more so now than before, I really don't. However, I've really? always been that person that pre-COVID, when I would go out to eat, I'm looking at ceiling tiles. Um, I'm oh, looking, no. I'm, I've always been that person though, as gotcha. a, as a leader, because I'm always looking at something to say, so am I doing kind of a better job or do I have a grasp on this? Um, you know, when you get the feedback a lot of time from mm -hmm. your, your, your customers, your guests, um, and they may say, you know, I heard a little bit of chatter over by the, the wait station. Sometimes I just tend to look for things as if I am at work. Mm -hmm. um, and I do find that it's more so when I'm having a casual outing. Um, if I'm out for a celebration, special occasion, I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely into the people that I'm dining with or the celebration or the occasion. Mm -hmm. um, but I've always kind of had that eye to say, oh, they need to dust the, <laughs> they need to dust the lampshade. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I've always looked at things like that. So I guess in that aspect, I don't enjoy it as much yeah. um, anymore. Um, I kind of miss when I could just blindly go in somewhere and not know that if my food doesn't come out to my satisfaction, that it shouldn't, it should be handled a certain way. Right. Um, and now having that knowledge and understanding I, I, my expectations um, are much uh, yeah, higher. I, that let, part, that's, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Right there. So, I can how about that. how about you? Do you enjoy going out to eat? I do immensely. 
Um, I really enjoy eating. I enjoy pairing food with wine or beer or uh, something, depending on where I'm, who I'm with and all that type of stuff. Uh, for me, I'm very much, I'm very wide-eyed and innocent when I first go into a restaurant, you know, I'm or a bar or wherever I'm ex having um, an industry experience because I'm allowing you to show me because I'm assuming you you are showing me your best foot, your best effort. Um, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, if you will. So it's not until I start to see stuff that I then the blinders start coming down and off and then I start looking for stuff and that's when my experience can go sour. But if I know where I'm going, so I like to get myself prepared. If you look at me and tell me we're going to John John's barbecue and they've got three Michelin stars, Okay. Or you say, we're going to John John's barbecue and it's like a drive-through barbecue eatery type situation. Either way, I'm going to do my Googles. I'm looking right. up the menu. I'm looking up why it has a Michelin star. What kind of drive-through is it? I'm going to make my own assumptions from what I see and what you've told me. And, and then I'm going to set a standard then. My standards aren't as high if I'm going to a mom and pop shop out in the middle of the country that luckily has an A sanitation on the road, on the um, wall when I walk in and they seem nice. I'm not going to be the one that sits down to a paper wrap plastic silverware and be like, my silverware is spotty. Can someone just soak it in hot water for me? You know, I, it, it just depends on where I'm at. But if I am high in a high-end location, if I'm somewhere really nice where it's a pretty penny, I'm going and expecting that you're giving me your best. But as soon as I do see something that I don't really like or that makes me take notice, mm -hmm. uh, then I'm definitely going to be like, I may not enjoy it as much. But I do. I, if I could, I I'm starting to love cooking. Mm -hmm. But I have to admit, if I could eat out once a day, I would. Really? If I could sit ev every single day. Different places, different menus, different everything. Mm -hmm. I could sit down and have that experience daily and be just yeah. fine. I think uh, COVID has made me realize how much of a regular I am. Yes. Um, I do love the experience of, of going out and having a wonderful meal, but mm -hmm. I also really, really love the experience of showing up somewhere and there's a feeling that I'm known. Uh, they know mm -hmm. what I want. They may know what I want to eat, depending on where I am. Yep. Um, they may know where I want to drink, uh, depending on where I am. I may see some people that I can connect with at that surface level. Yes. Um, yes. I think that's what I miss mm -hmm. more so than the exposure to what's available. I have really learned to appreciate cooking again and doing all of the pairings again in the mm -hmm. comfort of my home, um, especially this time of year with the fireplace going, some great music. Oh, um, such I, a can, difference. I can sip. I mean, I, I can have a, a great, enjoyable meal um, and do the very same thing and create my own experience. <laughs> at Isidra's Casa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to tip. <laughs> I don't have to ask for a manager. Right. I don't right. have to ask for more uh, more crushed brown pepper or red pepper or, or any, I don't have to ask for anything. Oh, that's the um, best feeling. And I have to say, um, as a leader in the industry, COVID has just also made me tired. Um, oh, and exhausted where yeah. I just, I don't have the, the capacity sometimes to even put myself in that setting. So um, yeah, so COVID has just really, really um, made me think about that experience or this experience, yeah. I should say, um, a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, and while we're talking about leadership, um, how would you define uh, being a leader, what does that look like for you? Um, it's that old school sketch that you've probably seen around of the man at the desk with four whips hooked to the necks of four workers pulling the desk versus the man with the leaders pulling, with the uh, other people 
pulling the desk also also kind of chained to the whips. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not, whether it's a business I own or whether it's a business that I get to help manage or, or operate, whether from the lowest rung to the top, I feel like a leader is always someone working with you, never someone working, wagging their fingers above you because those people who put themselves above you always fall. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, the, the truest of a pyramid pyramid does not have a point. Like it's just, it's, we are sharing this experience and I should be able to put myself in your shoes and work alongside with you. My best experiences from, I don't know, some of them do it just because they know it gets to us, but from the best CEOs that I've interacted with have been the ones who have come into the establishment, not afraid to bust the table, jump on the line, jump behind the bar. You know, of course, you don't, you never want them to. You put them on that pedestal and know they better not, blah, blah, blah. But the real leaders that I have seen have come in and not only been able to tell you what they would do, but be willing to show you. So a leader for me is someone who is like right beside you working just as hard, if not doing the exact same thing and, and helping everyone be successful. I agree. Uh, for you. I agree. Um, I look at uh, a leader very much so like a coach uh, or mm-hmm. a teacher, someone that is going to provide structure, uh, mm-hmm. someone that is going to provide, create a, a, an environment of accountability, uh, but someone who is also cheering you along the way Mm-hmm. Um, in your journey, um, a person who is relatable um, and, and who leads by example, um, is vulnerable enough to know that they don't have all the answers, but know mm-hmm. how to help you find answers um, and, and make improvements um, and better yourself. Um, and I have to say my experience um, in gosh, what is over maybe close to 20 years um, mm-hmm. uh, in this industry, I've, I've worked with, sadly enough, very few great leaders. Um, I, th- I think what has, I can attribute it to, to three solid people um, in my 20 year career. Um, of people that I have worked directly with uh, that have just taught me so much about being a leader and have taught me through action and leading by example. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I really can't stress that enough. I've also unfortunately or fortunately learned how to be a great leader uh, by observing what not to do. Yes, yeah, I, I will never forget when we started serving together. Um, back at the fish house long time ago. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that was good about you that I noticed, because I was still a rather young server, was it I felt it when you realized or noticed that I was also a good server. Because we both were good. We're both good at what we do. It is what it is. We we made our money turn and burn. We got it done. But I do remember you kind of reacting and responding to the stuff that I was doing that lifted me up and made me feel like, okay, I do know what I'm doing. So my question for you, Vesedra, is when did you know that you were a good leader? When did it spark? Because I do think everybody has that spark where you're just kind of like, okay, these people right. are listening to me and I seem right. to be getting this thing done. When, when for you... Did you find your cruise control in leadership? Oh, gosh. Uh, That's a great question. Um, I feel like I I do sort of, I I guess I remember when I kind of measured when I thought I was a great leader. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest, in the last two to three years, I've really kind of had many different times in which I have experienced the feeling of, wow, I really am a great leader. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kind of early in my career, I guess you can say I, you know, I kind of felt like I was a great leader when, of course, I was getting promoted 
relatively mm -hmm. quickly. Um, so it was more so that recognition um, from those that are above me and the powers that be, if you will. Um, and more recently, of course, having the confidence of my experience in the industry and just my ability to form great relationships with people. Um, my mother has always told me that I have this gift um, where I can be not necessarily upset with you, um, mm -hmm. but I kind of know how to get people together and give mm -hmm. them uncomfortable feedback, mm -hmm. um, but really make them feel good about it and lift them up about it. Because um, you don't have to be to be nasty. Yeah, that can't be taught. Um, that can't, right, right. That That's just something you, you have to, <laughs> you just yeah. kind of have to, to know whether you call it finesse or just paying mm -hmm. attention, being self-aware. But here lately, I have found I have such a Jon Snow mentality about it. Mm. Um, I don't really want to be ruler of the seven kingdoms, but because of my work ethic and my belief system, which mm -hmm. is really just treating people with kindness and compassion and knowing that there's room for everyone to be successful, why wouldn't I share my gifts with others? I mean, that's mm -hmm. really that's that's how I live my life. Um, and because of that, people have gravitated towards me and, you know, they're like, oh, you're such a great leader or people come to me. It's but at the same the other side of it, it's exhausting. Mm. It's so, so there's an expectation now there there is. Um, and mm -hmm. so now I kind of quantify that to that feeling of I know I'm a great leader because I'm not seeking to be a leader. Um, I'm getting the job done. I have the respect of my peers. Um, I have the respect of the people of the powers that be. I have the respect of my team that I work with. Uh, I have the respect of others in the industry. Um, and there is just this innate confidence that I know I don't have the answers. Um, I don't have all of the answers, but I know where to find those answers. Um, I just, I guess I just, I don't know. I don't know even know if I answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I mean, do you feel like there's a, there was a point in your career where you uh, just knew that, yeah, this is it. Um, I've got this down pat. Um, I'm, I'm effective at what I do. Um, I, I'm the top of my class. I, it's hard for me to ever like say that I've always known in a certain way that I'm the top of any class, but I realized at a young age when I could talk and someone would respond and kind of come back for more, be it advice or instruction or something like that. Um, for me, like in fifth grade, I was mayor of a town that was a town of birds over a school of birds. Every grade was a bird theme. And I got to be the town bird mayor. And I remember then having to do a speech and get voted for and all that turned into school, student council and stuff like that. And then marching band stuff. And then before you know it, once I got into the industry and just work in general, I realized in most places, once I learned how to do something, I tried to perfect it or at least get it as good as I possibly could get it my way to where it worked. And then my fever started for wanting to show people how to do it. Like you could make more money if you did this this way. You could move faster if you did this this way. And then that always turned into, you know what, I actually need the keys so I can go ahead and uh, open and close everything while y'all do it that way. And I'll just be monitoring to make sure y'all are doing it that way. You're welcome. And just kind of, <laughs> you know. This is the deal. Like, um, I just kept wanting to do that. And then it just turned into, okay, well, eventually I'd like to get a lot of people to want to do things in a way that is beneficial for both themselves and those that are doing it for, which is easy for the service industry. I just think for me, I didn't know necessarily when I became, I, and I still, I still don't think I'm like the best leader because I still will put... I still have a lot of working and growing to do and always will. And I understand that as well. But, you know, I do think that there is something that clicked um, 
probably by the time I got really deep into school that showed me that I could actually make an impact on people's experience by showing them and helping them. So it's kind of always kind of been there, which is why I want to go like really far with it eventually. And you've had experience um, with both, of course, your more corporate, um, in addition to some of your smaller local, if you will, um, restaurants. So I'm curious, uh, what are your thoughts? Have you seen differences in leadership between a more local local restaurant um, versus your larger corporate uh, or chain restaurants? Uh, hell to the yes. <laughs> there are lots of differences. Uh, for me, uh, been both, I guess, corporate and mom and pop, like you said, but for me, the only thing that I can say that I really, really enjoyed about the mom and pop is oftentimes your leaders have a little bit more at stake because it's a mom and pop, you know, if the owners aren't working in there with you, they need to see the sales to ensure that you're getting the bonus that works out. And yes, it's the same for corporate, but usually when you say corporate, all a person really hears is money. Right. When you're working in a corporate restaurant or a corporate hotel or a corporate firm of anything, there's a financial backing there that eases everybody's stress in a way, because usually when you work with a leader who is salaried and not worried about their tenure or their benefits, they may be a little bit more relaxed because they have a little less to lose. But then if you have a leader who is a partner within that corporation and is directly affected fiscally by the sales and the percentages and stuff like that, they'll be a little bit more dived, uh, dived in. And a horrible leader and a mom and pop I've seen in the past take advantage of their power and abuse it because it's a mom and pop, you know, how far up the chain is it going to go? Right. Whereas um, an overall douchebag who's a leader in a corporate setting will be, will watch his back a little bit more when they know that the consequences are a lot heavier when the home office has a legal counsel versus a family lawyer. You know, those are the things that make the biggest of deals for me with mom and pop versus corporate. And it is like, it's a, it affects you. You know, when your servers can complain about you to corporate, mm-hmm. it's totally different than, the way can, than when they can complain about the owners when they come in for dinner on, on Sunday. That is different a ball game. fact. <laughs> yeah. An absolute fact. Wow. Yeah. And that's something to consider when people do talk about, you know, going from mom and pop to corporate or corporate to mom and pop. There, I mean, you do have to, you know, you have to write your 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 pros and cons down because it can be it can be effectful. It can it can really affect you big time. Um, a question for you: mm-hmm. How do you feel about um, the leadership within the industry um, during COVID? You know, what does it mean to be a juggernaut leader pre-COVID in the service industry versus post-COVID? I would definitely say uh, more of taking on more of the role of an educator or teacher uh, in the midst of COVID, Mm -hmm. Um, particularly when it comes to sanitation and safety. Mm. Um, If I look back and reflect um, upon just overall, uh, whether that's my personal leadership or leadership I've observed, um, sanitation and safety, of course, there's, there's always going to be inspections. There's always going to be standards, which much must be upheld. Um, However, I think we are taught um, certain things as restaurant industry workers, um, like temperature danger zones. Uh, We're taught a lot of science. Um, Mm. And then we don't really bring that knowledge so much oftentimes directly to our our employees, perhaps those that work in the kitchen, um, but do we really share that knowledge uh, with the server team or the bartender team, um, host team even? Um, and now in COVID, um, there really has been a shift in 
having to educate everyone and sometimes your patrons as well um, mm. about being safe uh, when you're in an establishment. Um, I mean, <laughs> something as simple as washing your hands for 20 seconds, which has always been the rule, uh, but yep. has now been always washing up to the elbow. Yes. Uh, but now really, really having to talk about that and teach your, your team and train your team to uphold or raise the bar to a certain standard, yeah. quite honestly, always existed. Um, yeah. And that 20 seconds now more so than ever makes the world a difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, pre-COVID, I wasn't washing my hands 20 seconds. I right. mean, I wasn't consciously, you know, scrubbing up to my elbows. Um, I even had guests look at me in the restroom um, when I do it sometimes, but I mean, it's, yeah, we are supposed to be that thorough, but a lot of times I think, particularly now, that knowledge is just being spewed out to to everyone. Yeah, I, I, I feel you on the hand washing thing. I definitely have always been good about washing my hands, but at the length of time, I didn't really think of as much until Apple Watch put out that update that has a 20 second timer for when it notices you're washing your hands. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I, at first, I turn my nose up because I'm like, I ain't about to tell them. They ain't about to tell me how long I'm gonna wash my hands. I don't know how to wash my hands. And then when I would go to the restroom and wash my hands, and someone else would go to the restroom and start washing their hands at the same time, and I realized how much longer I wash my hands after them, I'd be like, ew, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna be using the paper towel to open the door because. They did not wash their hands. And I, I'm not looking at anybody and be like, excuse me, can you scrub a little longer? Like, I'm not that guy. But still, it, it, it made me take notice. And you're right. right. The education should go far. And I think pre-COVID, it was just understood that you should know your temperatures. You should wash your hands. You should, you know, be clean and this, that, and the other. But post-COVID, if you can't afford it, um, the companies, corporate or mom and pop, should be educating the staff to ensure that you know they are properly cleaning sanitizing and making sure everybody is safe uh some of these larger corporations of all industries their slip is showing you know during these times because they aren't and haven't been as clean as they say they are or one would have thought that they are um and some of them are choosing to take a political stance and not really change anything and then you got some people that, you know, people get sick, you know, Absolutely. people do go out and they do get sick. And I do think right now we need to know there should be a competition about who is the cleanest around. Oh, you know, amen. Amen. It just is what it is. You should be able to prove to me that you... I feel that I'm safe to spend money here. It's not about spending the money. I should feel safe spending money here. And we get the fire marshal visits and everything else. So that's right. And I do, I do have to say, uh, the thought of what you just shared about observing, whether it's a guest or a staff member mm -hmm. washing their hands for less than 20 seconds mm -hmm. is the exact same reason why I don't enjoy going out to eat anymore. Amen. <laughs> because I'm think also thinking about things like that. I feel you. I mean, every again, everyone is isn't a great leader. That is really yeah. not everyone's top priority. Yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. it's nuts. I mean, but I think over time we'll um it'll all wash out. Uh, the companies that are not going to do well during this time won't be coming back because there's a new era coming. There's a new type of leader coming. Uh, the type of leader right now that is also educating also has to understand that being that a lot of places are at 25%, 50%, 75% capacity, or maybe full-blown open, with everything that's going on, you have to be more than just the leader. You are the dishwasher, the host, the bartender, the line cook. You are taking guests to their rooms. You are helping with bags. You are bar backing, bartending. You are doing all of the things that comes along with being in that leader role. Leader role. And I'll be honest with you, the job has changed. I mean, honey, since COVID hit for sure, 
I'll be honest with you. This is not what I signed up for. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because I didn't either. I mean, this is not what I signed up for uh, in a lot of ways. And a lot of people don't realize that when they come in with their attitudes and their temperament, be it a staff member or a guest, um, what y'all have to understand, and we try not to harp on it too much, but we've yet to have a quarantine, honey. Mm. Some Say of us, Say it again. some of us, we have yet to have that quarantine. Some of us have been working essentially throughout this entire experience. And as leaders, you try to show a, a straight face and a smiling face and let everybody know that, yes, we're going to be fine. And yes, we're going to be open, but please bear with us as yes. you just might catch it. <laughs> <laughs> you just like. And it may not be wrapped up in a nice, pretty bow. Right, right. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a thing, you know, it's, it's to be a leader in this industry is harder now more than ever, you know, and it's not going to get easier because we don't know not. how many strains are coming, how long we're going to be under this lockdown or quarantine or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, yeah. I, I can I, I can stop there, but I do think that hopefully, and I know some do. Luckily, I'm blessed. You're blessed. There's always work that could be done, but we are blessed very much so in working where we work, where we are supported and feel safe. That's that's good. Right. Right. Um, but for those that are not feeling safe in this industry, if you work somewhere, no matter what it is, and you don't feel like they're taking your safety, you know. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, taking your safety as seriously as they should. Take note and maybe try to do something about it. You know, either become a leader that you want to see, or yes. go ahead and call those out. You know, in a professional way. Some of y'all need to hear this in a professional tone, in a professional mm -hmm. way that get that's palatable that could maybe move the needle. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. Um, and that sounds like uh, a great, great transition into the Dossier's Delight. Yes. Uh, some do's and don'ts uh, for our industry leaders. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to start. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to start with do know your personal skill set. What are your strengths? Uh, what are you going to bring to the team? Um, and, and what will you use as your foundation with your leadership uh, when you're working with your, whether that's your management team, uh, whether it's your employees, um, and sometimes even when it's, when it is working with those that, that are in a position above you. Um, again, in these times of COVID, uh, there's a lot more expectations, um, you know, that's being put on leaders that are in the restaurants with boots on the ground and making things mm. happen. Um, yes. trying to, you know, make a dollar out of 15 cents, uh, yes. for these corporations, um, know what your skill sets are and know what your mm -hmm. strengths are. How about you? Um, I've got a don't, uh, don't be afraid to get dirty. Oh, uh, I just, I've, I've said it earlier in the in this episode, as well as on other episodes, if you can't jump down and get dirty with me and get in these streets, you know, then let's, let's not talk with, there's really not much to talk about. Right. <laughs> there's just, just not, I, you know, I'm, I'm a marching band dork at heart, always will be. And I remember as a drum major or as a conductor of the band and the music, you in your own way have to know every note and be able to at least play it on something. Yes. So if you can yes. tell me how to do this if you're not willing to get out here and make this music with me. So I think you have to be ready to get dirty. Your staff has to see you get dirty. And then, of course, you can go back to, you know, being the leader that you are and managing it maybe from a bird's eye view if that's what needs to be. But when it's time to get dirty, don't be afraid to get dirty. Amen, amen, and amen. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to say, don't be afraid of feedback. Uh, feedback Ooh. is invaluable. But I'm a leader. I know everything. <laughs> but you don't. <laughs> Let me tell you why. No. <laughs> but seriously, uh, in order to be a great leader, you have to be able 
to take constructive feedback um, and just sit with it, marinate in it, um, and use it to become a better leader and to become stronger. Yeah, um, I, yeah definitely. Yeah, don't yeah. be afraid uh, to ask for feedback. I like it. I like it. Um, oh, wow. Do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. Leading leadership, managing it. Uh, uh, I will say, uh, do lead by example. It is, it is so simple to mm -hmm. just lead by example. Yeah. Um, actions always speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. um, and I cannot tell you how many leaders I've worked with in the past that have a do as I say, not as, I, not I, as do I do mentality. Yeah. Um, and it really, really exposes you as a leader um, and your, your lack of ability to, as you say, get your hands dirty uh, mm. when it comes down to, you know, moving forward with your team. Um, what are you showing your team? Um, your leadership means a lot. So I definitely would say always lead by example. Yeah. And I would say um, do um, set and maintain standards. I think once we set a bar, oftentimes we will, and I, I also do understand, I've, I've had a hard time with this one because I was the queen of no. Like if you, if this is what we do and this is how we do it, then this is what you'll do. And then I would just walk away and be like, no, it's fine. This is just what I accept. This is what you do. And I, I realized early in the game that's sometimes, yes, you'll set a standard. Yes, you'll set a bar, but sometimes you do have to adjust it depending on others' experience that they're having that you can hopefully get them to the level you look for. Um, but overall, I do think once a standard is set, um, when it comes to what's expected of a staff member, you shouldn't lower that standard to make them do less of the job or make the job easier for them, if that makes sense. Absolutely. If they can't do it, be ready to call it out and get them to that standard. Right. Don't just settle for someone's mediocre because oh. how can any of us excel if we're settling for everyone else's mediocre? So, oh, yes. yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to stand up to other leaders. Don't be afraid to stand up to, um, I guess, the, the VIP person that's coming in, the VIP client, guest, uh, regular that's coming in. Um, once you maintain these standards, don't even let the person that's coming in that's helping keeping the business going change you know, the structure of the business, you know, we'll always make exceptions to the rule here and there, but oftentimes, sometimes leaders will even bend for those they feel like, well, you know, they're, they're spending this kind of money or, or, or he is the CEO or whatever. I think a lot of times the VIP, the CEO, the upper management understand and like, if you have a bit of a backbone and you're not afraid to voice your experience and what you're going through, your opinion voices something, respectfully and professionally, but sometimes you do have to stand up for your staff, you right. know, whereas they may not be able to see it because they're not ground level. Mm -hmm. So you can't be afraid to say something. And along those same lines, I'm going to say, do tell your, your employees, your staff, uh, when they're doing a great job. Yes. Uh, that is oh, that's a so great one. important. Um, and is. a thank you goes a really, really long way. Yep. Um, nice job done. Um, just yeah, let them know that they're that they're doing a good job. Yes. Oh, I got another do. I got another do. And this is for those <laughs> that have this um where they work. I didn't experience this until I got a little further up into like a fine dining. Um, but pre-shift. Mm. If you are a leader in a, if you lead a staff and you have an opportunity to speak to them, to set the tone for the evening, the lunch, the meeting, the activity, the banquet, the whatever. And if you don't have this, find time to create this. Whether you're front of the house, back of the house or anything like that. If you are the leader for that shift, for that day, 
-hmm. get with the staff at some point at the beginning, middle or end of that day, if not all three, to re to set an alignment for how the shift is going to go, how the meeting is going to go. Let's set the tone of positivity. Let's have an inspirational moment. Let's just have this moment to where they understand not only are we going to have a good night, if you're not having a good day or night, you come to me, I'll get you right back on track. Oh, you better talk. That right there. That is a do. Take advantage of that moment. Take advantage of that moment. Do for sure in all capital letters. Yeah, a lot of people don't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Pre-shift is the most important thing that can happen in your restaurant on Mm -hmm. every single shift. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a word. That is a whole word. That's a whole episode. And we all know, (laughs) (laughs) for those of you who don't know, um, let me tell you a little something about Honest Charm. (laughs) Honest Charm is the model of a (laughs) pre-shift. We'll bring you (laughs) all the way (laughs) together with with charm, get you motivated. We'll bless you with a quick little let's make some, let's make these coins tonight. Let's, let's make millions, millions of dollars. <laughs> yes. uh, and let's get it. Let's get to it so we can go home. Yes. Yes. And that yes. is it. Yes. That is it. And that's my favorite part of going to work in a lot of ways. That pre-shift. I'm I'm coming with the positivity and it may be annoying. I am so sorry if you weren't in the mood for it, but let's go ahead and get lifted and have this moment because we have, I remember when I first went into management and would tell you about pre-shifts that I was experiencing and having and how they would go. And we were kind of go back and forth on how you were doing yours and how I was doing mine and able to feed on when we would have a couple glasses of wine and have a moment back before the podcast where we would say, that is a podcast right there. That right there, it's it just it helps, and all the more reason, all the more reason to if you, I guess this is another do or don't, don't be afraid of other managers. If you are a manager somewhere or a leader somewhere, and you find yourself in the same room as another person that's also leading or managing in that industry, get to know them and their experience and bounce off of each other because it literally makes everything better for us. One of my favorite parts about being back home in North Carolina was the networking that I built, being able to get in touch with other managers, chefs, managing partners and stuff like that and be able to connect and talk about the experience we were having, especially during COVID. Being able to call down the block or across the street and find out when are y'all open, when are y'all closing, what's your capacity, are y'all busy tonight, da, 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 and how things were going, it just, you know, it helped immensely. So creating that network around you, valuable, yes. very valuable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else for the dossiers, Delight, darling? I do not. That that pressure, that, oh, that spoke to me. <laughs> my, my life together, Yes. <laughs> One thing I have started to do that we used to do when we bartended together, when we was heavily on the secret, (laughs) I have gone back to a random notebook where I write my I am's and my intentions before every day before I get out of my car and walk into work. And I have been on fire in my pre-shifts. Wow. I have. I don't know. It's just been the past week. But I started doing it and I have been, you know how you start talking, you'd be like, oh, that wasn't nothing but the Lord. Like something <laughs> touched my spirit. Where did that come from? So nice. That, yeah, so that's, you know, for somebody out there looking for something, find some inspirational quotes, write some things down, do some journaling. You never know when mm. it can help. Amen. With that being said, uh, we can... Would you like to move on to the 86 board? Is that all right, Asitra? Can we? Oh, yes. I have some things right. I need to 86. All right. Well, <laughs> let's talk about this segment dedicated to the issues, concerns, uh, and even people that need to be 86, whether it's industry or general life concerns uh, or behavior. Uh, we would love to know what you would put on your 86 board. And please remember, you can always email us at thewaiterstip at gmail.com. All right. So what do you have for this week's 86 board, Isidra? Uh, This week, um, I am 86ing playing the victim. Mm. Um, 
you know, <laughs> particularly as a leader, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, we're being asked to do a lot more. Um, we're being asked to stretch our, our dollars as much as, as possible. Um, a lot of things, a lot of checks and balances that have to happen. Um, but we really can't, as a leader, you cannot be a person that is going to always play victim. Everything cannot always be someone else's fault. Um, oh, it rained today. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I, I yep. wasn't able to make this happen. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, I woke up today uh, and I just, I, I, I just, I stubbed my toe. And so it's mm -hmm. going to be a bad day. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to play victim and blame other people um, versus looking within, looking yep. in the mirror um, and figuring out uh, what you're going to do to change the day, change your mood, get more involved, uh, maybe take some of the, the feedback that we talked about in the dossier's delight. Mm -hmm. um, but I would have to say playing victim. Yeah. I hear um, that even, can be... And even, even with our guests, uh, when our guests call us out on things, um, you know, it's not okay to give the guest a bunch of excuses. You're mm -hmm. a representation of whatever went down in the kitchen. You're a representation of whatever may have happened with one of our vendors. If we, we couldn't get the right produce in that day, mm -hmm. um, stop playing victim um, and, and just stop making excuses, whether that's with your team, that's yourself, um, and with the guests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I, I definitely, I can agree with that. There's nothing more annoying than to see a leader play victim. I just mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's something the staff or the guests should see. Yeah, um, absolutely. For me, uh, it's going to have to be scheduling. I do think if you are a leader, first and foremost, in order to be in my opinion, an effective leader. You need to schedule time for yourself to learn what type of leader you are, what type of leader you are bringing to the table. Um, and of course, you know, scheduling side, uh, sleep, uh, food, exercise. So you are always at tip top shape when it's come time to make these, these important decisions that literally affect people's lives and livelihood. So taking care of yourself, scheduling time for that, scheduling time to interact and figure out what exactly is going on with anybody that answers to you or or I guess you can say, I say work alongside you, but I guess it's considered working underneath you um, on a professional level. Um, you, If you are the top dog, it makes sense for you to schedule one-on-ones, um, be there for them, be ready to have a decent amount of time to have that one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, schedule time throughout your day. If you have two managers working and you're one of two, a time to sit down and have a pre-shift with your managers, a time to talk to your chef, a time to, you know, at schedule. If you have six people on the floor tonight, at some point throughout the week or that night, figure out, hey, how, how's the family life? How How's your experience yes. right now? How are you doing with this whole COVID thing and this this capacity percentage we're doing and, you know, all, just like really scheduling time to understand more than just your own experience, but the experience of those as well, because it should influence your experience. Because honestly, mm -hmm. if the people you lead are having a bad experience and you're not, there's a disconnect. A huge disconnect. A big disconnect, you know, and yes, you may be doing some sales and your bonus may be big and your pay may be great, but if those that are selling the things aren't happy that's all coming to an end so uh, you got to make time you got to make time of course to check in with everybody that is there and it can be worrisome and it can be tiresome but if you're doing it right you won't have to check in but so much because you can see it right you can see it you can you know check in differently when things are going the way they should be um but i think it's i think it's about scheduling and also being a leader means being there uh, we all want to be that that manager or owner or CEO that works three days a week and doesn't even think about work because mm -hmm. everything is fine there. Doesn't work like that. If I'm getting my ass whooped at work alone, believe me, we're gonna have a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need to see just a. I don't need to see the gashes on you, 
but I need to see some bruises. I need to see uh, some scratches. You need to at least be ashy. Like I need to know that we're out here working together. And the minute I feel like that person isn't scheduled with me and scheduled to go through this that I'm going through as much as I am, maybe not as much if I'm not on that level, but at least out in the field with me when they need to, when they can be, then, you know, that's when I feel good. So I think, um, I would like to 86, the idea of not spending enough time on your responsibility and being accountable. Yes, I love that. I really Mm -hmm. like that's a great, Mm -hmm. great point. Thank you. Yes. Well, are you ready for a little side work? Yes, honey, I am. Oh, what you got for me? Talk about uh, continuing forward with closing with an opening mentality. Um, and so my closing side work this week um, is from an author. Uh, her name is Florence Scovel Shin. Um, and she has a quote. Um, so the name of the book is The Game of Life and How to Play It. It was written in Mm. 1925. And this is important because this is before the days of the secret. Um, But this is actually an author that my my mother uh, used to talk about um, a lot of times when I was growing up. Um, And so one of my favorite quotes comes from this book, again, a game, excuse me, the game of life and how to play it. Um, And the quote goes, man must prepare for the things he has asked for, even when there isn't the slightest sign of it in sight. Mm. Um, And so for me as a leader, what that means is just as you said, it's about scheduling and planning. Uh, if there is something that you are trying to achieve, a certain goal, um, whether it's you know lifting one of your managers up and, and, and getting them to the next level or a sales goal or whatever that goal is, you have to prepare for it even though you don't see or haven't achieved that success yeah. in that present moment. Um, And the more you prepare to work towards it, uh, figure out how you're going to reach that target or that goal, you'll, you'll never get there. If all you do is give it lip service. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. it. That's it. And I'll say it again. Man must prepare for the things he has asked for, even when there isn't the slightest sign of it in sight. Mm. I'm going to have to get that tattooed on my left side of my inner thigh. (laughs) You know, you know, I, I need that. I need that on me. I need that on Not me. That, that sounds. Why the inner thigh? I mean, because that's my business. You know, that's oh, my business. Okay. You know, that way I'm trying to inspire somebody when they get close enough to see yeah. it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you must have prepared yourself for this. No, you can read it now. <laughs> yes, honey. <laughs> Come on with it. <laughs> what you looking for tonight? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so all I of like this the, inner thigh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ooh, I got a little hot and bothered. <laughs> That's the hot spot, honey. Yes. <laughs> Oh God. Oh, I like that one though. I do. I like that. That's a really good quote. Um, for me, mine is going to be, my side of work is to continue. I've, I've done it for a while. I want to continue doing it though. Personalizing the experience. For instance, I uh, went out to eat at a place with my partner and the server personalized the experience further than they had to, as in we ordered a drink and our courses and with each course we had on them they did this on their own a person like a, a pairing of wine to go with each course a multiple actually which was nice um and it was just something that was done outside of what we expected and for me my goal is to try to do that uh both at work personalizing the experience that i'm having in whatever position i'm um dealing with or speaking to and catering how I treat them and how I talk to them based on 
the experience that they are either having or the experience that I'd like for them to have. You know, if, how can I make this better? What can I do different to make sure that the night that you're having right now that's just okay, how can I up that to make sure that everyone around me is having an amazing experience? Because in turn, oh, I, like I feel so much better when I go home, when I know that I was you know, in the lobby, talking to those people, which helped out this person. I was in the bar. I was in the dining room, in a private room, on the line, in dish or anything. Like that's anything that I can help make sure that somebody's having a really good experience makes me feel good. But yeah, that I think making uh, a personalized experience for everyone that I work alongside with is imperative to how I feel when I leave. That's not why I do it, but it has a deep impact of how grateful I am for my position because of the impact that I can make. I love that. I am definitely going to work on that side work. Yes. All right. Wonderful. Well, that closes out another episode of The Waiter's Tip. How are you and feeling, honey? I am feeling amazing and very excited. Me we too. only have one more episode of this season. Oh, can um, you believe we are wrapping up an entire season soon? Wow. When you put your mind to something and when you prepare for the things that you have asked for, even mm-hmm. when there isn't the slightest sign of it in sight. That's look at, right. Look at what God will do. Amen. Amen. It's personalized. It's personalized to our experience. It is. We did this. We yes. In her thigh. <laughs> I love it. Oh well, do not forget, you can always reach us at the waiters tip at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at tip waiters at tip waiters and on Instagram at the waiters tip. Uh, we can be reached in, on all platforms. Uh, bear with us because we're about to be doing a lot of posting as we wrap up the end of season one. And uh, yeah, I'm good. I got nothing else. I don't either. Thank you all for listening. Wonderful. Well, don't forget, try your best to at least tip 20%. Bye. Mm-hmm.